Hey guys, Hunter here. Wanted to ask you a quick favor. Uh, we're really trying to grow the podcast and it would really help us if you would leave us a review. So go on iTunes, Spotify, wherever you listen to the podcast and leave us a review. It's going to help more people find out about us. So we appreciate it. Now let's get to the show. back with the coyote fitness podcast hunter here coming to you flow uh from flowwood studios with caleb and today what we're going to talk about is some mistakes that we made i know you guys love to hear about when we make mistakes and so we are going to expound on some mistakes that we've made in the past and so we're each going to give a list of five fitness mistakes that we have made and uh maybe the reasons why we did them and why uh we probably would do it differently now and uh this will be a good discussion to kind of talk about, you know, maybe you guys can learn some of the, some of the things that from some of the things that we've done in the past that uh, maybe we do a little bit different. I had to rely on other people's mistakes to make my list because I just couldn't relate. Ah, here we go. Couldn't relate to anything. Uh, so um, we won't call anybody out, but we are, uh, yeah, this is fun. I think that honestly, like looking at mistakes is one of the things that makes you most passionate about what things to do for success. And so in anytime we can talk about mistakes and things that we've learned, it just means that you can just reverse that thing and put some focus on it and know that we have actually experienced what it's like to not do that thing. So before making your own mistake, just do it. You know, learning from the mistakes of other people is a huge life hack. And so anytime you can find conversations about mistakes, sometimes it's going to reveal something that saves you the trouble later yeah that's what i hope yeah i i have learned as i've gotten older that if i can learn what other mistakes other people have made i can avoid uh making those myself myself and that's something i did a lot when i was younger is i was going to try to figure it out all by myself and uh you know learned a lot of hard lessons that way and so if you can learn from the mistakes other people have made you can really uh short shortcut the uh the uh, road to success for whatever it is you're trying to do. So hopefully you guys can learn from some of these mistakes that we've made and shortcut your own road to success in health and fitness. So why don't we just uh, start with uh, number one for you, Caleb? What's your number one mistake that you got on the list? So the number one thing that I recognize over the years that I have done um, is I've put a, I've put a pressure on my, on fitness that is almost a performance minded. It's not that the performance is bad or that a little bit of nervousness is bad at all, but I have realized in hindsight that I put too much of an emphasis on things that were not a big deal and I made them a bigger deal. So whether it's one workout and how my performance was that day, um, whether it's, um, you know, not taking time off. There's a lot of different things. I've put so much pressure on myself and experienced nervousness around exercise that I could have been enjoying it as fun and enjoyed the people around me more. And so um, I'm working on eliminating nervousness as a means to enjoying exercise, if that makes sense. Man, I, I relate to that so much. I didn't put that on my list and I probably should have now that you're talking about it. But 
that's something that I really struggled with, especially when I was competing, was getting really nervous about workouts. And I actually wrote an article about it uh, a while ago, on our, and it's still on our website, on our blog. And I was probably writing that article to myself more than anybody because I used to get really nervous about workouts. And it was because I was putting so much pressure on myself to perform. And, you know, my mood was really determined on whether I, I did well in the workout or not, as opposed to focusing on the effort that I put in and the, the uh, you know, making sure I was doing the things that I needed to do every day to get better. And so that's definitely a, a huge mistake I've made. And, uh, you know, you can tell by if you're checking sugar wad and if somebody beats you and you all of a sudden are in a bad mood, no matter how hard you push yourself in the workout, that's definitely a sign that you're putting too much pressure on yourself instead of enjoying it. And when I was able to stop doing that, I really started enjoying working out a lot more. Um, I just kind of started from, uh, for myself at the start of my weightlifting journey. And number one for me was, uh, extraordinary emphasis on machine work when I was younger and going to the regular gym and doing the Cybex machines and doing lots of different types of machines. And you're basically what you're doing in that is building muscle in a environment that is not going to translate over into any real, um, you know, outside of the gym movement or function. And so, um, I was doing machines and trying to get better, uh, and stronger to play baseball. What was reality was I was building up muscle that was not having impact on me at all. When I was actually playing the sport, it was actually hurting me because it was making me tighter and less functional. And, uh, I was not, um, doing work that was going to, uh, transfer over onto the field. And this can relate to, to life as well. If you're going in, doing a bunch of different machines, it's not translating over into, into allowing you to, uh, you know, play with your kids better, uh, or be able to, uh, you know, go on a long hike on your, on your vacation or be able to ski longer or be able to do things around the house better. It's just strictly developing a muscle in one, uh, limited range of motion, um, that is more for aesthetics than anything else. And so I spent an extraordinary amount of time on movements that weren't having any carryover to anything else other than that specific movement. And so, uh, going back, uh, and I try to preach this, especially to young athletes and you need to be doing movements that are compound functional, that are going to build a lot of power output, build the, the muscles that are going to allow you to perform better on, on the field. And, uh, as you get older, um, that are going to allow you to get on the ground and play with your kids or potentially play with your grandkids down the, down the road and machines are not going to, uh, do any of that. So that's number one, uh, way too much, uh, machine work. Uh, number two for me is, uh, this, this is going to sound cliche, but it's the lack of emphasis on mobility as a tool for getting fitter. And what I mean by that is what I've learned is that, um, movements that you want to get better at in the gym, get easier when you're more mobile before they get easier because of your conditioning. And so whether the perfect example is a thruster or a wall ball, um, thrusters get easier significantly more when your ankle mobility improves, when your lap mobility improves and you can hold a good front rack um, versus just doing more workouts. And so as we learn more about the mechanics of movement, I think that early on in my fitness journey, if I would have spent more time thinking about the long-term effect of what that mobility would do. And I did that. It was not that I just completely neglected it, but what I've seen now is that where I'm most mobile are the movements that I'm the best at. And that's the case. I watch it for, you know, and see people, 
perform movements and they're really, really, you know, they would say good or advanced in one movement, but lack other movements and, um, or lack proficiency in other movements. And it always trickles back down to there's a mobility challenge for them that limits them and how easy it is to move. So for me, it's not just generic mobility because we could always do more mobility. No one is perfectly mobile, but seeing mobility as a means to making a workout easier, it should have, um, I just wish it would have clicked more. You know, now if I would have spent an hour at night doing mobility, that definitely wouldn't have happened anyways, but I wish I would have learned it sooner. Uh, I had that on my list too. So I'll go ahead and say number two, uh, not enough mobility. And, uh, for me, when I was, uh, competing as an individual, looking back on it, the best year I had performance wise was the year when I was doing, uh, mobility wads every day. I do follow Kelly stretch mobility wad. I was doing one a day on top of extra mobility at the gym and my performance was the best. And I got away from that. And I, I really regret that because, uh, the extra mobility work is going to allow you to perform the movements, um, with less effort because you're not having to fight your body to get in positions. And then you start to actually use the correct muscles to be able to, to do the movements. You know, you start using your glutes, you start using your lats and you can perform movements better. Um, you know, I was obsessed with learning about Rich Froning when I was when I was competing, and I always remember in 2010 was his first year at the games. And if you actually go back on YouTube and watch him do some of the movements, some of his technique was actually pretty bad. Um, and um, he became known as the technique guy, the efficiency guy, but he wasn't always that that way. And I remember distinctly an interview with him, and they talked to him about it. He said after 2010. He went back and just started doing a ton of mobility work. Doing He was doing the mobility wads every day and going back to square one and relearning how to do movements correctly and efficiently. And then he was allowed to make these huge leaps forward in performance because he had uh, much better mobility. And so this is what I always try to, to, to talk to our members about and encourage them to do extra mobility because it will make everything else so much easier and you will get so much more out of your workouts, number one. And then number two, you're going to be much more likely to get hurt because – what, what can happen with so many people is you can make progress for six progress for six, eight, 10 weeks. And then you have a nagging injury and then you take two steps back and then you have to take two steps forward to get back to where you were. And then all of a sudden you've lost three months when, if you could have just stayed healthy, you could have made progress over that entire time. So mobility to me is the magic pill, um, to making progress faster and staying safer and making progress over a longer period of time. And so, uh, to me, that was, that's definitely on my list is not doing enough, uh, mobility. All right. Number three, um, I think that I realized pretty early on that uh, professional athletes were taking more time off than I was from intensity, and it's really silly to think about that. And so for me, number three was not taking time and just enjoying time off out of fear of losing all the hard work that I put in. And that's a very valid fear for people is we know how bad it sucks to come back from vacation and for the bar to feel heavy or to hop up on the rig and for it to feel like you weigh 30 more pounds than you do. Um, but over the years, I've learned that after three weeks, you're right back to where you were. It doesn't take, it doesn't, you don't lose, you don't lose things in fitness. It just takes a normal process and a good process of getting back to where you were after some much needed time off. And so for me, it was just not taking time off. I used to travel to the beach and I would make, you know, make time for an hour of 
exercise and I'd bring my short barbell and I would bring plates and I would spend that time that I should have just been resting kind of halfway doing things. Uh, and I just realized that it was okay to come back and have three or four weeks of not feeling a hundred percent. Uh, because what would in turn happen is in six months later, I would be really thankful that I gave my body that rest and I would be even further than I was. And so a lot of people fear that when they accomplish something through hard work, that they're going to lose it. And just, I want to encourage people and try to encourage people to take the appropriate amount of time off and know that you aren't going to lose something that you've built up a great buffer for over years. Yeah. Uh, when Matt Frazier was competing, he took months off every single year and then he, uh, he would come back and, uh, be stronger than ever the following year. And so, um, taking time off is something that's against our nature. We want to constantly be working towards our goals. We're all, uh, type a driven type people. And so we want to feel like we took a step towards our goal every single day. But a lot of times taking time off and rest is, is the best thing we can do to help us reach our goals long-term. Uh, mine's sim, my number three is similar in that vein, but mine is just doing too much volume. And so when I was trying to compete and starting to do my own workouts, I was just thinking I need to get better at everything and I need to get better at everything all at the same time. And so I was doing, uh, a squat cycle I was doing, Olympic lifting cycle I was doing, a way to dip and way to pull up cycle I was doing, gymnastics cycles, and I was doing multiple Metcons every single day and trying to get better at everything. And I did make really fast progress for a little while, and then all of a sudden I started getting nagging pains and injuries and all types of things and having knee issues, and um, I start regressing and uh, taking big steps backwards in a lot of different areas. And what I realize as, as I've gotten more experience is that your body can only recover from so much work and the more work you're doing, the more it has to recover from and just adding in extra volume just to try to get better at everything all at once, uh, is going to set you up to, uh, to really regress and, and, um, you know, potentially get injured, uh, down the road. So now what I try to do is focus on one or two things that I really want to get better at any given period of time and really focus on those while also still continue to do the other things, but really looking look at it as I want to maintain everything else as best I can and really try to progress on one or two areas and then moving on to another two, one or two areas at a different period of time. And that's where having a well-designed program becomes very important in allowing you to make progress in everything um, or at least maintain everything while still progressing in some areas as opposed to what a lot of people will do is I'm going to do the squat cycle and do the squat cycle and squat three days a week uh, and neglect everything else. Well, what happens at the end of that 12-week squat cycle? Yeah, maybe you added 30 pounds to your squat, but you sacrificed a lot of other things for that 30 pounds. And then you have to get off the cycle and start focusing on getting everything else back. While while you're doing that, you're going to lose some of the progress you made. And so you're going to regress, some, lose some of that, that those pounds that you put on on your squat as you're getting everything else back. And then you look up six, eight weeks later, and then you've lost 20 of the 30 pounds you put on on your squat, and you've just now gotten back to where you were on everything else. And so to me, a much better way to do it is try to make a little bit of progress on a couple of things while still maintaining everything else and make it a little bit slower. So uh, doing too much volume, um, trying to get better at everything all at once, just a recipe for disaster. Uh, number four for me goes back to, I think you're number one, just having different backgrounds. I don't have a strength background. Um, I played soccer. It was very aerobic. 
exercise. I played basketball. I was very aerobic. Um, and I think that's the case for a lot of people. They have kind of a sports background, and then you get into exercise. And the thing that you love the most is the workout, um, you know, the 12 to 15-minute push, uh, the skill that's involved and all of that. But one of the things that I did not enjoy was just strength work or even doing some physique work um, because I love the score. I love the competitiveness of a workout of the day. And one of the things that I realized was that you can only recover from so much of that intensity, especially when you are, like we just talked about, doing it 340 days a year uh, or 300 days a year. And so one thing that I have learned that I really enjoy now is um, not neglecting strength work over the athletic performance part of like a workout. And so this is unique to me. It's not the case for everybody. Some people may be the opposite. They may hate, you know, thrusters and rowing or burpees. But for me, what I've learned about my body is that I have mentally grown in strength from doing more seated dumbbell shoulder press and more of the physique stuff. And so the accessory work in our programming now has given me an outlet for something that is actually, and I'd say this in all honesty, when I do that stuff and give it my best effort, it is, it's really exhausting. And I've found that I've mentally been able to um, almost get to another level in some of the workouts because I'm getting more comfortable with like that traditional strength work. So that's unique to me. Uh, but I, I've learned that the mistake I made was neglecting the accessory work and the strength work in favor of the thing that was going to give me a score. The thing that, you know, guys were talking about, how did you do today? And what I realized is that the strength work actually was what my six month later workout was going to look like, even though it may not make me perform my best because I'm a little bit tired from doing that strength work. It was going to give me more later. So I've learned a lot about that. I know a lot of people come from backgrounds where they were in a traditional gym and they were, you know, given a hundred percent effort to failure on dumbbell bench press or shoulder press or uh, dumbbell curls. But I've actually realized that I don't have that background. So I don't favor that stuff. And it's been kind of a hole, I guess, for me. So a little bit of the opposite of what your background was, but at the end of the day, um, recognizing something I needed to work on. So my number four is kind of in the same vein um, as my number three, but a little bit different is uh, doing way too many long workouts or hero workouts. And so I remember when <clears throat> I first got into CrossFit and I started finding out about, about all these hero workouts, I was like, oh, these all look really fun. I'm going to start throwing these in um, on top of everything else I'm doing. And what happened was I was already tired going into it. And then you end up doing like a 20 to 30 to 40 minute workout and you're just teaching your body to go really, really slow. Like you, you, there's no intensity at all in these type of workouts. And we talked about this before. Um, you're, you're doing some reps and then sitting there looking at the, uh, at the weights and then doing some more reps and you're just moving at a really slow intensity. And so over time you teach your body to move slow. And then you're also doing a ton of volume. That's your body has to recover from, and it takes a lot of time for your body to be able to recover from that type of work. And so, um, it's, you're doing that at the detriment of all the other work that you're going to be doing later on in the week. And so I still want to try to do all these extra long workouts and do this all a ton of volume and that type of stuff. And then I just was beating my body into the ground and not able to hit anything with any kind of intensity. And so I start teaching my body to move slow as opposed to, 
um, doing workouts where I can keep my intensity high and teach myself to have a higher power output, which is going to translate into me getting fitter uh, longer. So too many uh, hero workouts is number four. All right. The last thing for me is it was a last minute change as we were talking about this. Um, and again, this is personal. This may not have any, this may not be quite as relatable, but just being honest, I think one thing that got back to my number one, which was that fabricated nervousness or pressure around exercise when I could have just been enjoying, enjoying the people around me and enjoying what fitness was giving me. The, the last thing on my list was I used to also, and we recognize that competing is great and it can bring out the best in you. Someone else setting the bar higher than you even thought and achieving something that you're more capable of than you thought, whether that's one sit up, like I had someone telling me yesterday, they cried the first time they did a sit up without pulling themselves up. Um, or it's doing a, you know, double digit muscle ups or whatever it is. Um, for me, I realized that I also used to take that competition into places that it didn't need to be. And so um, not competing against something that is not a competition. And so for me, that helped me get back to my number one and take that nervousness or pressure off and realize that I'm in the gym saying I'm not a professional athlete. I'm here for the community. I'm here for the support. I'm here to get in the best shape of my life. I'm here to challenge myself physically and mentally. And yet sometimes I would feel like I, I was not enjoying that, those parts of fitness because I was focused on comparing myself against someone else who frankly is not doing the same workout, you know? And the thing that people joke about is, is running at different gyms and what the differences are with running and push-ups. I watch people do push-ups and wall balls and squats and realize that everybody has different goals. Everybody has different ranges of motion. And I was finding myself comparing myself to other people when that was distracting me from gaining the most from my fitness. And so competing when there's not a set standard for something is just spinning your wheels and taking so much mental effort from the thing you can be controlling. And that is yourself and your own effort. And so, uh, I, I don't know that there's like a word or even a uh, a way to describe that other than just, I don't want to compete against when I'm not in a competition. And when I'm doing exercise, it's great to push yourself and to have that camaraderie. But at the end of the day, I, I didn't walk into the gym because I wanted to be a professional athlete. And so when I took that competitiveness out and it, all of a sudden it became replaced with admiration for people. And so I'd hear someone competing and they'd say, man, did you see that that person did this at that gym? And I'm like, one, they were running in a completely different place. It could have been raining. It could have been, you know, all these different things. And when I was like, wow, that's amazing. Like, that's impressive. And that's it. And hitting that mark made me enjoy fitness. It took the pressure off. It took the nervousness off. And I, I know it's going to lead to uh, a greater result. There's a big difference between healthy competition and unhealthy competition and we can so quickly make the competition unhealthy um, in that we start defining ourselves by whether we beat somebody else um, and you can use competition to bring out the best in yourself um, and push yourself harder that's one of the, that's why we love the whiteboard and love that type of thing because it, it makes people push themselves harder and get more out of their workout than they would uh, on their own but you can also 
focus on the result and define yourself by that as opposed to really just using it to become a better version of yourself. And so ultimately, if you're competing against the version of yourself that you were yesterday, and that's the reason that you come to the gym, that's a great way to compete. If you're doing it to compare yourself to everybody else and trying to beat everybody else and, uh, whether the day was good or not is if you beat somebody else. Well, that's, that's a bad way to compete because you're going to always be setting yourself up to, um, be at the whims of the results as opposed to, um, your own efforts. And so, um, focusing on the negative side of competition can, can lead you ultimately to be burnt out and not want to do it anymore because you're focusing on all the wrong things. Um, I try to, um, and it's always a struggle, but I always try to focus on, yeah, if there's somebody in class, I'm going to try to beat them because it's fun and it's going to make me push myself harder. But I give them a high five, whether, you know, whoever wins and then move on with my day and not focus on, oh, so-and-so beat me on this workout yesterday. I can't believe it, you know. Um, and that applies directly to every other area of life. I mean, we can look at they live in a bigger house than me. They drive a nicer car than me. They go on more vacations than me, X, Y, Z, um, and use that to make us feel bad about ourselves. That's why social media is such a – uh, a tough place because it can make us feel so bad about ourselves when we're seeing how other people are living and seeing all their highlights and, and, and forgetting, um, you know, they also have negative things in their life too. They're just not posting on social media. And so, um, that's a, that's a good, that's a really good uh, topic there. Number five for me was, uh, not quite so, uh, deep, but, uh, on the Olympic list specifically, um, I really was trying to focus on improving my Olympic lift, specifically the snatch. And I took the same route that I did on getting stronger in the back squat and the deadlift and shoulder press and that type of thing and bench press and just try to go heavier. And that just not how you get better at the Olympic lifts. And so as I started going heavier and then I would just keep lifting heavy over and over again, I start ingraining in myself bad technique. Um, and a much better route to get better at the Olympic lifts is to keep the weight light and focus on improving and perfecting your technique and not thinking as I'm going to get stronger at the clean by just doing more, more heavy cleans. I'm going to get stronger at the clean by, um, getting my legs stronger, getting my front squat stronger and by improving my mobility and my technique. And so, um, looking back on it, if I would have taken that route, I think I would have progressed much faster in the lifts, um, and ultimately, uh, hit higher numbers, uh, by focusing on getting stronger with, um, the power lifts and um, getting my technique better and my mobility better so that I could get better at the Olympic lifts. And um, I think that would be a much better route to, uh, to improve uh, my one rep maxes overall and not lifting heavy all the time and creating bad technique. So that's number five for me. Anything else you want to discuss uh, before we wrap it up and move on to the next segment? I had to make up all these mistakes anyway, so I don't have anything else. <laughs> uh, the list could go on and just on. Just going off of the mistakes <laughs> he's seen other people. Make, hey, the right? list could go on and on. And uh, to be to be fair, like I think that I'm really glad that it wasn't easier to come up with all these mistakes. And part of that is because you learn from other people, and so there's always someone to learn from. There's always someone's mistake that they've made, and so hopefully this even sparks your freedom to acknowledge your mistakes, but also to even look and see, you know, not just to try to pick out mistakes that people are making, but to. Uh, look back at, you know, cause a lot of these things we've looked and we've seen what we were doing, but we just didn't act on it. And so, you know, the next step is to look at these things and say, all right, I recognize I've made that mistake. I even maybe make this mistake. What can I do to change it now? So I'm not uh, talking about it in two years and still periodically finding myself with the same mistake. So educate yourself, ask a coach. If you have questions about something you feel like you haven't done well, and then just begin the conversation because it's never a bad thing to try to uh, discover 
where you can get better and find those mistakes sooner than later. Yeah, that's good. I'm put you on the spot. What's a mistake you've made in the last month on your fitness most recently? Mistake or I've made in the last one you're making currently? Yeah, so there's uh, sometimes I am I look for um just the stage of life that we're in. I'm not in a place to where I was six months ago, fitness wise. And so it's easy to throw, it's easy to look for something new or to start to branch off and say, I'm not feeling so great today. I think I'm going to do, I think I'm going to do bench press and curls and this. And, um, when you lose structure, you end up stacking mistakes on the other thing where you don't realize, Oh, the next day now I'm sore and this is going to be bad. And then the next day that stacks up against this day. And so for me, just realizing that no matter what effort level is appropriate for me for the day, it doesn't mean you throw everything out. It just means you continue to have that long, steady approach to progress. Um, we have a program that is going to apply is going to be very it's general right it's general physical preparedness we're looking at an entire cycle we're looking at weeks and saying let's try to hit on a lot of different things frequently enough to make progress uh and so for me just trusting that program and trusting the programming is hard sometimes you know i don't want to do wall balls sometimes i don't want to do snatches i feel like we just did that but what I realize is that if I change this today, it's going to throw off tomorrow, and then that's going to throw off the next day, and then all of a sudden I'm at more risk for injury, and uh, I'm right back to where I was. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, for me, it's like uh, the same thing. It's it's funny, like you make a mistake, and then you, you don't learn from it, but um, as I've gotten busier and priorities have changed and business is really busy and my wife is pregnant and a lot goes on, I just really – found myself really just trying to get my workout in as quick as possible and not doing as, as much mobility work as I needed to do. And so that's something that I'm trying to correct now and really making sure that I do more classes, um, make sure that I do the full mobility at the beginning of class. And I've also started doing an extra 10 minutes every day on my own um, to really uh, be able to get my body feeling good again and be able to start making progress again. And so really making that a priority is making sure I'm doing the mobility um, and doing it with class as often as I can. And then also doing extra mobility as well to, um, not just prioritize, just getting the workout in and moving on my day, um, because, because things got busy. And so, uh, that's a good one for me. All right. That was a really good discussion. Let's move on to the next segment outside the box. So Caleb T minus. Oh yeah. We're having a baby this week. I don't know. Uh, I got some other things. <laughs> this, we're gonna it go might through, come out. Uh, this episode might be coming out the day y'all are having your baby. It could, uh, I know this is, it's just about Sarah. I'm good. Uh, I'm ready. I'm excited. And it's more just like whatever she needs, we'll do it. And making sure she's ready. I, I cannot imagine what she's going through with this and the anticipation yeah. and the excitement. She sent a, a, a meme to me the, the other day and it was like, um, someone just standing on the side of the road with their thumb up, just being <laughs> like me not knowing if I'm going to have a baby in one hour or in one week. And I was oh, like, man. that would be nerve wracking Yeah, no just kidding. to, just to not know. And so I'm, I'm just trying to put myself in her shoes and just, I'm, I'm going to do my best to, uh, just to not be a baby about it. You know, <laughs> just like man up, Caleb, do Caleb, your part. You, you don't, you can't complain at all. Yeah. <laughs> there's, there's nothing. No just, complaining. Yeah. Man, we're in the same boat too. And I'm super excited. It reminds me of, we actually watched this documentary last night and it'll be my recommend too, but it's the, uh, the Kelsey on the Kelsey brothers. Um, mm. And it followed Travis Kelsey around last year. And 
his wife had a baby right after the Super Bowl, and they were interviewing before they were going to the hospital, and they were like, you nervous? He's like, oh, no, I'm fine. I, I got a good book. I'm just going to be chilling. <laughs> it's their third baby. And he was trying to bring a fan uh, to, to keep him cool, and she was so mad about him bringing that fan. And it was just really funny. It just shows the different perspectives of uh, – of what the husband goes through compared to the wife. And uh, we got a, a exciting times coming up um, with uh, some, some babies on the way and uh, just trying to support our wives the best we can in that. Uh, you got anything to recommend before we wrap it up? Yeah, so uh, the Ryder Cup is coming up. I encourage everyone to try to get into the Ryder Cup. Give it a chance, uh, even if you don't watch golf. Uh, this is one of the most fun times. It comes every two years. Uh, the U.S. versus Team Europe. 12 best players in the u.s versus the 12 best europeans and they do match play so it's just it's easy to follow teams of two uh where they play each other in teams where they they have a couple different formats that they use but uh then it ends on sunday with all 12 players just doing one head-to-head match and uh i love I, i love the timing of it because we're gonna be chilling at home and spending a lot more downtime with uh, the baby and Sarah recovering. And so uh, I'm excited about the Ryder Cup. So give it a shot. It's uh, the last week of September. That, uh, don't give me that I'm look. probably not going to give it a shot. I'll be watching football. Uh, yeah, so my recommend, I mentioned a minute ago, the Kelsey documentary on Amazon Prime. Uh, it was really, really good. And uh, I really got to like those both of those guys, Travis and uh, – um, gosh, I just – Jason, Travis and Jason uh, – and uh, it was really good. It followed through through the whole year. And apparently, Travis is quietly talking to Taylor Swift now. They so, might, all right, I was about to say uh, they might I was be dating about to bring now. that up. They might yeah. be dating. I mean, like biggest news story of the uh, of the year. <laughs> he he he's always going to be second in that relationship. Oh yeah, he will. I mean, uh, uh, apparently, Taylor Swift doesn't talk right now outside of her concerts because she's saving her voice. She doesn't talk the whole day. And she just writes notes. So apparently, uh, my sister told me that. So, uh, of course, de- she, she talk she about dedication to her craft. Well, you would do it too if you were making a billion dollars. Yeah, I was about to say, <laughs> I'd stop uh, talking uh, for a billion dollars. So, all right, uh, that was a the great discussion. Hope you guys were able to learn from some of our m- fitness mistakes, so you don't make them on your own. And we will catch you next time. Silky smooth sounds.